freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. What we're going to do, you're a manager. That doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Hello! Going to get to our number 20 most intriguing Seahawk coming up here in just a minute, Brock. I want to be honest about something. Mm-hmm. And this is a message really to Bob Stelton and Dave Wyman and Mike Lefko. Yeah, yeah. So about a week ago, a big bag of Dots pretzels appeared in the control room. Uh-huh. The big bag. And yeah. Dots pretzels are kind of legendary around this building. Oh, Everybody are you loved- really going to do this? You yeah, of course I am. Show war. Don't care. No, it's not a war. I just want to. I want to clear the air. I want everything. This is the opposite of war. This is how you prevent war. This is diplomacy. Mark. This, this is pretzel diplomacy. This is pre- pretzel diplomacy. I just diplomacy. want to know that Just, Justin diplomacy. and I were not a part of this. Yeah. All right, this is diplomacy. A week ago, there is Justin. Can you just go grab the bag so you can read the note that's on it? A week ago, this bag Brock appeared. The big bag of Dots pretzels, which are are everyone's favorite. Everyone here big fan of the Dots pretzels. They're mm-hmm. a big thing, and it was open the bag and then resealed. And it has a note on it that says, Justin, afternoon show only exclamation point signed or you'll take a beating DW. Right. So if anybody's watching this afternoon show only or else you'll take a beating. So those were here a week ago. Yeah, it's up on the stream. If you're watching at CLSports.com and all of last week, I I saw the bag there. I moved it farther away so that I wouldn't be tempted by it Mm -hmm. because I absolutely, you know, respect those boundaries. I think it's odd. Generally, when you're going to keep something for your own or for your own show, you don't leave it out in public. But okay, like, hey, it's their show. Kind of flaunting. Right. A little bit. It it felt like a like a like a trap, like Mm -hmm. a mouse trap. Right, like Bates. if somebody else touched it, like you're going to leave it in public. So if somebody touches it, bang! All of a sudden, okay, something so what, comes we down. Got, hey, we got most intriguing player to Brock, get to. So what happened? We're a week later. Yeah, those guys are at training camp every day. They haven't been in the building since then. Right. I started eating the pretzels today, and I and I'm okay. perfectly look. If it, if it, beating is going to come from Wyman, <laughs> I'll accept it. I guess at this point, I'll see if I can get Ray Roberts or his kid to try a... to protect me. His kid is gigantic, bro. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I we know. saw Price yesterday. He's huge. <laughs> yes. Um, if someone had a sandwich in the refrigerator, would you eat it? No, but that's that's the refrigerator. This is sitting in front of me. I'm staring at it while I'm doing a show four hours every day. A man only has so much willpower. It is taunting. So Dave, Bob, Mike, I'm just letting you know I'm the one eating them because it's been over a week. And I think at some point you lose the ability to just have it just be for the afternoon show, especially if you're not going to eat it. Now, I'm happy to bring it down to training camp today and drop it off for them Mm. to get it out of here. I just don't know how many pretzels are going to be left in the bag by the time I do so. Number 20. Number 20 most intriguing Seahawk, Brock. We started off our list with Drew Locke at number 25. Number 24 was the long snapper. Don't forget about him. Chris Stoll. Stoll. Number 23 is the guy I keep forgetting. It was Trey Brown. Number 22 was Dariq Young. Number 21 was D. Eskridge, who, by the way, I saw drop a pass thrown directly to him yesterday, and then he made an unbelievable catch a little bit later. So a little inconsistency. Number 20 on this list, Mike Morris. Mike Morris, number 20 on the list, defensive lineman who they drafted in the sixth round this year. He stands out. If you go to practice, I promise you will notice him. 
He is taller and bigger than most of the other defensive linemen. He's always talking to anybody around him. He is noisy and fairly entertaining. Pete likes him. I know he'll be physical and tough. I'm not worried about that, but he needs to get in pads. You know, and get his pads down and get you know make sure that a six six guy can get underneath the blocks and stuff like that. But um, uh, he, he made a really good impression. And you know, I always like different dimension guys and guys that bring something special. He, he's he's unique. He's different than the rest of the guys. And so um, we'll. We'll see if we can find a, a good spot for him. There you go. He always likes different dimension guys. That was one of the takeaways from earlier. And that's Mike Morris. I mean, they've asked him to gain weight, which he has certainly been able to do, in order to play more on the inside. And I don't when you watch them, when you watch practice, Brock, all, I don't know whether he's always doing the right thing, but he does not seem like a rookie sixth round pick. This is going to be one of my questions for Quandre. And I'm going to give him some time to think about it because I don't know if, or maybe he'll know immediately. Those players in his career who were good in shorts, but then when the pads came on, were actually unbelievable. I mean, the, the light bulb went on once the pads went on. Mike Morris is a guy that's going to be very good in shorts. You just heard it from Pete. Now put the pads on and leverage. Now put the pads on and be violent. Now put the pads on, and if you sound like Mike Bennett and you look a little like Mike Bennett and you bounce around here like Mike Bennett, what happened when Mike Bennett put the pads on? He was a monster. Uh, a monster. Frankenstein. What pads? <laughs> he didn't even need pads. <laughs> what happened when Mike Bennett played around other people in pads is what yes. you mean. Yes. That's what's going to be key for this Mike. For this Mike Morris. It's pretty hard to avoid the comp, though. I mean, as I mentioned, you just see him walking off the field, talking, and just everybody around him is just constantly laughing. Never again. Never again. I need to do This dude right here. Panicking every twitching all the time. No, never again. Not what- that was after they oh, did the canoe yeah. ride a couple of weeks ago. But like, it just seems to be who he is. Kind of deadpan, but also out like. Why Mike was Bennett. Why weird. was Mike Bennett undrafted out of Texas A and M? Odd body size, tweener, Little tweener, bit of a tweener, tweener. You're not really an end, right? These ends that are so twitchy. Because you run four nine, and I think Mike Ben was even a five flat, but this Mike was a four nine five. But then you're not really a D tackle or one or three technique because you're not, not three hundred plus pounds, right? So you're just kind of a tweener. So then what do you have to be? Man, you have to be a technician with your hands and with your leverage. And I'll be very curious. Me, that scouting department, the personnel department, this is why he fell to the sixth round. He's 6'5", 275, played at Michigan, ran 495. Like, that's not usually six-round material, but it's just because he was a bit of a tweener. And he's, they didn't know he, what to do at Michigan with him. He he could get to 310 no problem. I mean, I'm not really fat. Like, if I take off my shirt, like, you can see the former six-pack that used to be there. So, um... You look you like know. you could add 20 more pounds. Yeah, if you needed yeah. To. so, like, right now, I'm like, I weighed in, like, 296 the other day. And, like, I look in the mirror, I'm like, bro, I'm not fat. So, like, it's not really a big deal, so... I feel like I put on a lot of muscle and all that. I feel like I could easily be like 310 ripped. So I'm really excited for where my body can go. Remember what they they asked him to weigh in? Remember that before the draft that weekend? Like, okay, stand the scale and send it to us before we take you in the sixth round because they wanted him from the combine 275 to get to 295, and he did. Now, can you get from 295? Do you want him at 315? Right? Do you want him at 325? Know. I'm sure they're going to figure out what they want him at, right? They will. They will. And they will ask him, and then, as I said, it will be the violence with which he can play in pats. That will define the mark he's going to leave. LJ Collier never became that guy. LJ Collier was a tweener. Is he an end? Is he a tackle? Let's put on weight. 
But in the end, he watched me like, yeah, I don't see enough twitch there. I just don't see enough with it. So that will be the question for well, Mike Morris. And I like number, he's a, he's what is he, 20? For. Intriguing guy number, number 20. 20. Yeah. I like that. Seems like the right spot for him. And pretty high for a sixth-round rookie again. Like, yep. he stands out. You're right. I'm, I'll go down there today. More, more. are you coming down again today? I don't know. I was thinking about going tomorrow so oh, we can right. spread out the days. I like pets. it. I like that plan. And let's all be right. clear about something with those Dots pretzels. Stelton ain't eating them. Anytime no. people put their hands in a bag, right. he ain't eating it's them. Over. No. It's over now. Plus, done. they've been out of his sight for a little while. Good There's no It's Lefko and Wyman. That's right. who you got to deal with. That's fine. Well, Lefko, I feel like I can take. No problem. I'm not that worried about him. I mean, I'm not going to take Dave Wyman, but I'm no. going to try to solicit some help from the Roberts boys and see if I can at least protect myself behind them. Or Kevin Gogan. Just reach out to Kevin Gogan. Is he around? Wyman loves him. <laughs> He's over in Ellensburg. Those two still have beef. Really? I mean, I, like, not even joking. Still got legit beef 20 years later. That's yeah, really it's, it's a beautiful thing. I, as, as they should. Well, hopefully I won't be on that list after stealing yeah. a couple of pretzels. Yep. Quandre Diggs is going to join us in 20 minutes. He did something yesterday at practice, Brock, I've never seen in all my time covering the Seahawks. I'll ask him about that and a whole lot more coming up after Need to Know on Brock and Salk Seattle Sports. 710 seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, the Mariners have just found themselves, Brock, kind of in between. It has been their biggest problem all year long, and it has just continued right down to the deadline tomorrow. Fortunately, or maybe at times unfortunately, they played their best baseball recently. They have really played some good ball in July. They've been one of the hottest teams across the league, and they win yet another series. They beat Arizona this weekend. Luis Castillo was nasty. The Diamondbacks all-star Castillo set for the belt. Here's the pitch. Swing and a miss. Blows it by him. 98 upstairs. He flashes the Castillo flex as he strikes out the side. Yeah, he was good. They don't allow a single run. They got it done early once again with the bats. The 1-1 from Kelly. Swung on and hit to the left side. Past the diving third baseman. Scoring is Julio. Now a late stop sign for Teo. So one at a time. One at a time. And the Mariners have a 2 nothing lead. Yeah, they would add another one with a Crawford home run. And then uh, Suarez drove in a run later. But deadline coming up. They're only five and a half behind slumping Texas, who's just lost three straight in San Diego. They've lost seven of ten. Astros lost yesterday, Brock. So five and a half mm-hmm. back in the division, only four and a half in the wild card. Chance to get to 17 and nine with the Red Sox coming to town tonight for a huge set of three games. All of these are huge now for these Mariners is, you know, light at the end of the tunnel is there. And the light at the end of this trade deadline is what, about 31 hours away or so? Mm-hmm. 16 and 9 in the month of July. 6 1 and 1 in series in July against 16 teams. and 9 in July. Is that what you 16 said? and 9 in July. You know how easily they could be yes. 20 and 5? Yes. Now, some of those they also had epic comebacks. I know. Like, but yeah, they yeah, very easily could have been. 16 and 9 is about right. They could have right. been 20 and 5. Well, and Honestly. 16 and 9 is kind of what you were supposed to be in June and in May. Right. You know, it's and the that, team you're that, supposed to be. That's the team who you're supposed to be. And by the way, if you were to ask the Rays fans and the Jays fans and the Twins fans and the Diamondbacks fans yeah. and all of those fans that are amidst playoff chases and a bunch of them who have added and said, what do you think about these Mariners? Is that a playoff contender? After just seeing them and playing against them and competing all, all against them? All those teams that started off hot and have fallen off since? Whose spot would you rather be in? The team starting to get it going now mm. or the team that was hot in April and all of a sudden isn't really mm. sure what they're doing? Red Sox will be in town for three. George Kirby and Nick Pavetta tonight.
Here's the second thing you need to know. Dave's not going to need to administer a beating. I think these pretzels are going to, like, work themselves through my throat, cough my way into whatever. Are those pretzels making you thirsty? Yeah, they are. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go get myself some water. Uh, yesterday, um, we had an opportunity to watch Seahawks practice, which was great. Last one before the pads come on today. Uh, and for the most part, really good. I mean, they are, they are moving quickly. Pete was really excited. Of course he was. He's Pete Carroll. But really he, fun. Yeah, this is really fun. Yeah. But he liked just sort of the speed with which his team was working. I think we're practicing faster than we practiced. And, and, and uh, we set expectations really high. Um, in these first four days now, you know, we, we've, and I need to see the film here today, but I think we did it again. Uh, guys are flying. And, and that, that, to get closer to game speed is, is, as much as possible is what gets you prepared the best. The leadership, the, the, really the, the standard that is set by, by the guys that have been around and, and know what we expect here, as well as what the coaches are doing, um, is uh, we're hitting it off right now, you know, and, and, and we're in sync in terms of uh, really going for it. And so I'm, you know, there's nothing I like more. We, we, why wouldn't we be the best practicing team in football? You know, that, and it's up to us. And so uh, we're working at finding out what that's all about, and we're, we'll see if we can get there. The challenge, and I laid this out earlier in last hour, we'll get to more of it today and tomorrow with the trade deadline. The challenge for me with Teoscar Hernandez is he's just – He's antithesis of what you preach for your team. You preach discipline. You you preach good at bats. When you preach compete, Salk, you need Bobby Wagner to run down the sideline full speed as he did yesterday. You need Tyler Lockett to be out there practice running full speed. You need your veteran marquee players that the other younger guys watch and say, okay, all right, coach wants us to play fast. Okay, coach wants us to ramp it up to game speed. Let me see what Bobby's doing. Let me see what Gino's doing. Let me see what Tyler's doing. Let me see what DK's doing. And guess what? When those guys ramp it up and turn it up to 100, what do you think all the rest of them are going to do? I think that matters with veterans. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, speaking of Teo, will he still be here in another day? Who knows? Jerry Depoto was asked about that specifically by Jim Bowden on Sirius XM, and he said he wasn't sure. Don't know the answer to that. No. We're, uh, we're still very much in a foot in both camps. We've spoken with every team. We're just as focused on what happens after 2023 as in 23, and we're letting the schedule and the teams around us tell us which way we should go. Well, the teams around them are buying. That is for sure. All mm. of them in the division, other than Oakland, have made moves. Texas with two over the weekend. They bring in Max Scherzer and Jordan Montgomery to kind of help with their rotation, which has all kinds of injuries. Angels add C.J. Crone and Randall Gritchick, so they're working on their uh, bats, their offense, after already going after some rotational help. And then uh, Houston going bullpen again with Kendall Graveman. Blue Jays bolstering their pen. They trade for Jordan Hicks. So people around you getting better. Mm. You can either choose to get better for this year mm-hmm. or for next year mm-hmm. or try to do both. Yeah. And the two other teams with you that are kind of sitting there right with you have also, at least as I've looked at this, have also not yet pulled the trigger. That being Boston, who you see tonight, and that being the New York Yankees. Well, it sounds like Boston, they may both sell. That's right. That's right. Boston has got so many injuries, so many injuries to their rotation. It would take so many arms. And to do that, they'd probably have to get rid of, you know, some of the bats. And a guy like Verdugo, that's been a reason why they're competitive. And the Yankees, I mean, the Yankees not being aggressive. Couldn't get Aaron Judge back. Come on, the Yankees, Aaron Boone in in a contract, kind of a a heat is on moment. Mm -hmm. 
So maybe keep a little eye on the Red Sox and the Yankees and these Mariners is kind of that next tier down from those that have certainly said it's go zone. All right, there you go. That is everything you need to know. The Angels, by the way, are really in your tier, but they're in a unique position with Shohei Otani, right? Where Mm -hmm. they've got to add as big as possible to try to convince him to stay. So they're sort of in a different spot. I don't know if they would have been as aggressive were it not for the Shohei situation. So, Yep, that's fair. All right, I'll tell you what. Let's uh, take a quick break before Quandre Diggs joins us. We talked to him briefly a week or two ago, but he was on a golf course. It was not. We were interrupting. Right. I mean, we were interrupting him. We we're talking about the throwbacks. By the way, I should have mentioned this earlier. The yeah, berm. Yeah. Full. Yep. Back back to being a full berm. It did mm. not look like last year when it was pretty empty and just didn't have the same vibe. Mm. Pretty full berm yesterday. Mm. And I would say, I, w- I don't want to say a majority. That would be more than half, but certainly a plurality. The most common jersey I saw. Throwbacks. Yeah everybody had their throwbacks on and they looked great out there, man. They looked really, really good. We'll talk to Quandre in a lot more detail. And as I mentioned, I saw him do something yesterday. I've never seen before in all of my years around the Seahawks practices at training camp. I'll ask him about that and a whole lot more coming up next. You're listening to Brock and Salk powered through the Alaska airline studio, on Seattle sports and the Seattle sports app. We're going to talk to Quandre Diggs, excuse me, coming up here in just a moment. He's walking over uh, to our headset, and we'll have an opportunity to chat with him. We'll get back to some Mariner conversation with the with the uh, deadline rapidly approaching. Brock, we'll do that at 9 o'clock, and uh, I know you've got some numbers and some stats. I've heard other people kind of bring up the fans and whether or not the fan base should factor into it, so uh, we'll continue to try to figure out what direction they need to go as we uh, dig into that at 9, and probably even more so at 9.30 because there's just a lot there. But right now, joining us from Seahawks training camp, Quandre Diggs, Seahawks safety. Quandre, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. How you guys doing? Well, we're doing great. Thanks for uh, being with us. I know we had you briefly uh, a week, couple weeks ago as you were on the golf course, but today we can uh, kind of focus. Get you I, in your home today. Exactly. Yes. I, I saw you do something yesterday. I don't think I've ever seen at practice. You and I, I kind of just curious about the mentality and about whether or not there are repercussions. So you come up with the interception, which was awesome. You run it back a little ways. You get to the sideline. You're down. <laughs> And you take the ball and chuck it into the berm, which I've never seen anyone do. Throw it straight to the fans on the berm. First of all, planned? Did you even know you did it? And then do you get fined the way you would in a game if you threw a ball into the stands? (laughs) I mean, it definitely wasn't planned. I mean, I just kind of react off emotion. I mean, for me, I just be having fun, really. Um I'm part of the equipment staff, so no, I won't get fined. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's just me having fun, enjoying the fans, being at practice. And um, at the end of the day, it's about making the game fun. And for me, you know what I mean? Why not be the first person to throw the ball in the stands and let the fans enjoy a, a game ball? And, you know, whoever caught it, I hope they got well, to enjoy it. And um, There's a good story I, there. I don't know. You, you didn't see what happened with the ball? No, I did not see. So the ball goes, and there's two kids. One probably, I don't know, six, seven years old. The other maybe ten. And they both went hard after it, and the six-year-old just got dropped. I mean, he went down hard on his behind. 
<laughs> and the 10-year-old sort of jumped on it like it was a fumble, and now it was his ball. And more and I were concerned the 6-year-old was going to start crying, but he didn't. He, he manned up, no problems, and you know what? The bigger kid gave him the football a minute later. <laughs> that's funny, but no, nah, that's dope. About a six, about a ten-year-old, and that's a lot of heart. About a six-year-old, yeah. so oh, he took uh, a hit. <laughs> oh man, I wish we had film with that, but uh, <laughs> but no, nah, that's dope, man. I'm glad that I was able. It was able to go to a kid, and it wasn't a grown-up, yeah. you know, fighting over a ball and not giving it to a kid. So, you know. Uh, that ten-year-old had that memory forever, and so would that six-year-old. He <laughs> teaching, teaching toughness in life. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm not even being trying to be that guy, like be a jerk. I'm, and I'm just trying to remember, Quandre. What, what were they? Some of your interception returns and stuff last year that Pete did. What, what, did Pete have a hard time with some of that? Did he give you a hard time about? <laughs> help, help me understand. I'm not even trying to be that guy right now. I'm trying to honestly remember. Because part of me does remember Pete kind of getting on you about some of your returns, or am I misremembering? I wouldn't call it getting on me. You know what I mean? I think me and Pete have a great relationship where he understands me, I understand him. I understand I can have fun with the ball, and then I got to tuck it. You know what I mean? So we came to a mutual decision. You know, I, maybe I'll put the ball up for a quick second and tuck it really fast as long as I'm not in traffic. But um, I'm t- I told you guys last year, I would watch Ed Reed film the night before the game. Not Ed Reed. I seen Deion Sanders. Well, Ed Reed did it too, but I seen Deion Sanders do it. And he caught a pick. He put it in the, put it in the sky. And it just, for me, it kind of triggered some. I'm like, I'm going to do that. You know what I mean? I'm going to do that. I think that's dope. So the next day I got a pick against the Jets. And I'm like, yep, that's me. I'm going to do that. <laughs> so I did it the next week too. So I'm like, I'm going to do it every time if I get a chance. So, um, I promise to be careful with the ball. I told him, you know, I'm a former quarterback, so my awareness is pretty high. So um, we'll work through it. I'm sure I'll get they'll, – they'll kill me in a team meeting here in 10 minutes. Which is better, a pick or pummeling a receiver over the middle and causing a fumble? Um, I mean, for me, I want to get the interception. I'm going to be honest. I love tackling and hitting people, but if I can get a pick and really change the momentum of the game and – you know what I mean? I think that's that for me. That's a win, and that looked good on them stats. And you know what the stats mean? <laughs> great stats, great money. Well, they're supposed to get you some more respect around the league too. They're supposed to get you on top of lists, but they don't seem to. Hey man, I was a six round draft pick, pick two hundred, and drafted drafted to the Detroit Lions. You know what I mean? I ain't never had the hype, so for me, I just got to go take it. He is Quandre Diggs. Quandre, I'm curious. Six days into camp, what has stood out the most to you? I think the team camaraderie. I think we're, we're, we are a very close team, you know, offense, defense, special teams. And, you know, we have a good day. Um, we're still there for the offense. The offense has a great day. we there for them. It's, it's just what it is, you know what I mean? Like, somebody got to have a good day, you know what I mean? It can't, you know what I mean? Somebody, it's not going to be us winning every day. It's not going to be them winning every day. And at the end of the day, you know, we're making each other better. So, um, that's what's really been the fun aspect of this camp. It's just like how everybody vibes together. Together, everybody knows their roles. And um, at the end of the day, it's a brotherhood, and we enjoy being around each other. Like, we truly enjoy And I think last year is what really, you know, brought us all together with everybody doubting us. And, you know, we going out there, being able to do something special. How has Bobby added to that? It's been great. You know, I mean, he just fits right in. You know, I mean, he's a jokester. Um you know, he's a leader. He's respected around here. He's a Hall of Famer. And, I mean, he is the Seattle Seahawks. So 
at the end of the day, him coming and fitting back in, I mean, we're adjusting back to him, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, he, he, he built this culture. He was part of the, the foundation of building this culture. So for him, he knows what it is, and uh, we follow his lead. What was going on with him and DJ Dallas yesterday? <laughs> it was just good competition, but that's where we at on this team, you know what I mean? He makes a good play. We can get in DJ's face, and everybody can surround DJ, and you know, we just celebrate. We enjoy it. The offense does it with us. They do the same thing. So at the end of the day, good, fun competition. And, um, you know, today will be another good day. Quandre, that's what it feels like. It feels like, at least through the clips and the highlights and even the, the videos that the Seahawks have put out in the social media realms, it's been, hey, there's been some touchdowns, but then there were three picks yesterday. And then there were, you know, some, some big plays. And, and I'll tell you one that jumped out a little bit just because it jumped out a lot last year was stopping the run. Kenny McIntosh had a beautiful run, and I know you're not in pads, but he cuts it back across the field and makes another cut and, and kind of gets out. And, and a lot of Seahawks fans were hitting me up like, hey, man, how are we going to stop the run this year? How are we going to stop the run? Because that looked too much like last year at times where you're at the third level in that running game, and it's, it's you having to deal with a lot of that. How do you think from your safety perspective the guys in that front can impact the run game more this year? I mean, I think they're doing a, a great job. I think um... – at the end of the day, you know, um, like you say, we're not in shoulder pads, we're not in helmets. Um, it's literally combine drills with a helmet on, you know what I mean? So um, he's made some great plays. Don't get it wrong. You know, Kenny's a great, great back. I was surprised to see him fall to the seventh round because, I, of course, you watch Georgia on TV. He's making great plays. He's doing those things. So I'm not surprised by that, um, him making great plays. But at the end of the day, um, it's been a lot more good than it's been bad. You know what I mean? And um he's made some plays where of course you come out here for camp the running backs break through the second level bobby has already tapped his hip three other guys have tapped his hip he break out run the crowd starts cheering it looks great you know what i mean like you got hit three times already you know what i mean so how much do you um, hate that I, I just i watch these every year and every year i'm surprised there's not a fight because some running back decides to run all the way to the end zone after he's clearly down i mean that's what they're taught to do they they set the tempo for us so mm-hmm. um for them that's what they're taught to do that's their job so i can't be mad at them it's more of the fans not understanding the game and um okay i understand he he, he broke and it looks like he broke a 30 minute 30 yard run but like i say he's been touched three or four times <laughs> so he would have three or four bruises on him from getting up from guys tattooing him so let's not get carried away but like i said kenny's been making great plays and um you know today we put on pads so we'll see and along those lines put your uh, helmet on your thinking cap on here quandre uh, and i'll give you a second to think about it as i ask the question has there been a player or two over the course of your career where you're like all right i mean he's good in shorts He's good in shorts, but then the pads come on, and he's a creature. Then the pads come on, and this guy can really play the game of football. <laughs> I got you, a great one for you. Yeah, go ahead. So last year, I'll never forget, K-9 comes out here, and he's going crazy. I'm like, hold on. We're going to see when these pads come on. Like, is he really, you know what I mean? And he comes out here, and he's doing the same thing with pads on, and he's doing it in the game. I'm like, yeah. I knew he was legit from the first day <laughs> I see him at practice. Like, I'm telling you, like, it was last year, and I remember telling people, I'm like, bro, we got the best young running back in the NFL. And people was like, who? I'm like, you're going to see. I'm like, you're going to see. Just watch number nine when he get out there. And when he got his chance, he went out there and killed it. So he's definitely one of those guys that 
Um, I can you that feel that, year. Quandre? Can you just feel that as a veteran player, right? Can you just yeah. feel, speak to that a little bit? Like, what? Yeah. What is it? They don't slow down when the pads go on. They play even faster. The, the impact is that much more. What do you feel? Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like you can just see it. You can see that this guy, no matter if it's shorts and helmets or, you know, I mean, you in the parking lot, it doesn't matter. This guy's a football player. You know what I mean? And he really enjoys the game. So you can see that. You can feel that. And, um, you can tell the guys who's really, you know, really in it and really got a chance to be really, really good. I knew that from Reek from the jump. When I seen him in training camp and the training camp he was having, I knew he had a shot to be really, really dang good. And, I mean, um, looks re- really good to me. But we're going to let you go here in a moment. But I just ask you, is there anybody in this camp, other than the 10-year-old who trucked the poor 7-year-old kid, <laughs> is, there, is there anybody else at camp that you're excited to see today because you already kind of like what you see and you want to see it in pads? I'm excited to see uh, Mike Moores. Uh, he's been making a lot of plays. He's a big human. Um, so um, I'm excited to see him today for sure. Um, Does he ever I stop talking? Does he talk all the time? Mike, he's always smiling. He's a real smiley guy for a big dude. So that kind of throws me off a little bit. But um, I'm excited to see him. I'm also excited to see Jonathan Sutherland. Um, he's been making some plays since since OTA. Yep. So um Let's see. Cool. You know, I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting. I know you got meetings. We'll let you go. Thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. Always good to catch up with you. Have a great season, man. We'll talk again. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all. All right. There you go. There's Quandre Diggs. Yeah, Brock, I've never seen that. Before. I've never seen anybody throw a ball into the stands mm. before mm-hmm. uh, at, a, at the berm. Because but... you have to practice how you're going to play. Right? I guess that's Practice you that. You're going to play like that. You're going to be fine. You're going to hurt our football team. That's the old school coach, right? Yeah. Like you just don't do that. No, we have fun, man. We compete, we play. Sorry, Pete. When I get the pick, I'm gonna stick the ball to the heavens. I'm gonna look like prime time out there. <laughs> I honestly was. I was trying to remember exactly what it was. And, yeah. And, and then he, he was wasn't happy memory. at the time. No, no. no, he was not happy about it. You know that what kid I like right did there? get drilled though, huh, Moore? He? he went down. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little. He was looking for the ball. The other kid had his back turned, and he just yeah, he just kind of got blindsided. Bang. Dude, That's pretty, pretty cool of that older kid, though. Seriously. It was cool. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, I kind of kept my eye on it for a minute because I was curious if the younger kid was going to start crying or kind of where that was going to go. Yep. And then, uh, yeah. No, he... I, I liked his last two words right there. It kind of resonated, and it brought me back to, well, 25, 30 years ago in training camp, and it's been the same as I've watched it, as I've followed it. You know, we've had the good chance, Salk, many times of being out there in the mornings because they used to practice earlier. That's not the case anymore. They practice later. And, and I get it. I think a lot of it makes sense. But his last couple words right there when we talked about pads, did you hear him? He's like, let's see. Let's see. Right. Because I remember so many of these guys in shorts and in T-shirts. And you get through OTAs. You're like, man, this guy can really play. He's really fast. You know, this, this isn't too big of a step. And then the pads come on. And you're like, oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and these veterans – and it's been their livelihood, mm-hmm. and they know when to turn it on, mm-hmm. and they know the difference between the pads being on, right? And, and Coach Pete can say, rightfully so, this has been an amazingly fast camp. These guys are flying around. Yeah, the pads come on, and now we finally get to play football. Like, this, is, this ain't combine anymore. Right. Th- th- this Good. is this is ball. No, you're getting me excited to go over there today. And were you glad to hear that Mike Morris was the name he mentioned? For sure. For sure. Because he's been putting on a show. But now let's see you leverage and pats. Now let's see if you can get 6-6 six, six down. Now let's see what happens when you take on that double team, and they're actually, those collisions are real. Mm. I mean, they're real, real. Heck, I remember 99, my first minicamp, I've told this story a bunch. I couldn't believe it. 
I couldn't believe it. And back then, you know, they weren't practices and many camps weren't videotaped. <laughs> there wasn't the eye in the sky. There wasn't the players association finding you if you were too physical. I remember the first, the very first 11 on 11 with just helmets. And I was like, oh my, this is violent. <laughs> this is a real fast. Like, holy smokes. This is a, this is a different game. Yeah. And then when that first practice in pads came on in training camp, it was humiliating. It was like, this is, I mean, I got a long, long ways to go. And I know there's going to be some of these rookies that come off that field today and realize like, okay, yep, this is, this is a different game. And then there will be the rookies like K9 last year, as Quandre said, who come off the field and go, yep, I'm meant for this. Yeah. Tyreek, yep, I'm meant for this. I don't slow down with the pads. And actually, my game goes up even another tick. And that's what you hope comes out of today, this week, and in the weeks ahead. I think I end up asking that question every year about the running backs running all the way to the to the end zone. Because like you can see, you can hear it in his voice how much it does kind of tick them off. Right. They know it's what the guys are told to do. So it's not like they're specifically mad at the player personally. But in the moment... They've made a tackle, and this guy's running down like a clown to the other. Like, you can see how mad they are about yep. it. I don't blame them. Yep. Um, by the way, um, do we still have a news boss there? You still have it in your technology our little laugh tracks, right? Over 14 Ooh, years. We I got don't some know. Good, dude, that laugh by Quandre out that was the a, That was a pretty good laugh. I mean, that was top 10. The idea of the kid getting dropped. <laughs> of course, that would be the thing to make I mean, as you were her. painting the picture right there, like yeah. he... I know we got service and wedgie, and we got some. We do uh, have some good laughs. We have some good laughs, but that one was, that one was. It kept going. Yeah, I mean, that was a strong, good I'll little. I have chuckle. to look into that maybe, uh, maybe during a break, kind of see. So with all this going on, Brock, how do you? Do, do, has anything happened yet? Coming out of training camp, et cetera, to change anything you thought you would think about the Seahawks? Hmm. Six days in, like right now. Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, honestly, today in these preseason games, in that little video of Kenny McIntosh, and by the way, on that video that, that someone tweeted and I retweeted, he didn't get touched at the first no, level. No, there was one where he had mm – -hmm. it was a legit touchdown. He didn't get touched at the second level. Right. Like, he was deep in the third level where he was getting chased. And Absolutely. It was like, that's not – I don't want to see that, especially in shorts. Like, come on, you know? Like, you should not have guys untouched at the third level. So that one was uh, that one's going to be probably my biggest watch through these practices, through these preseason games. Mm -hmm. And I just hate to use a very cliche-ish coaching word, but it's true. And that is sound. Like can you be just disciplined and sound so you don't have these cavernous gaps and these huge holes that anybody's running through, right? Like make it hard on them. It, you know, don't don't swing it down in a way where you're three feet away from the ball. Make it hard on the pitcher. Make it hard on that opposing team where, hey, man, if, if you're going to get out and you're going to make a run, you're going to run through three tackles, right? Like you're going to do something. Yeah, we're going to make it's it hard not, for you. Yeah, I'm going to make it hard on you. The whole Mariners philosophy, like we're going to make it hard on you. This run game, we're, we're going to, in defense, we're going to make it hard on you. And Bobby and Devin and Dre and Jaron and safeties and those things should be better. And Daryl and Boye and Derek Hall, you should be improved on the edge. Like, we got to make it hard on you because last year they did not. And it was oftentimes, here we go, their death uh, nil, nil, nil. Death nil? Yes. 
It was one of those two or both. Nailed, Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Well, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Way to go. It was right? interesting. <laughs> you you kind of went N-Y. Mm-hmm. Death nail. A death nail. <laughs> right? It was. I mean, how many times in games on Mondays we come in? How many KJ Wright shows were we like, all right, KJ? And he's like, is flummoxed as the rest of us. Mm. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm I, what, what do you want me to say? You said flummox with much more confidence than you said Nell. That's a good word. Yeah, no, you said that with great confidence. I like Five that. yards of carry, I right? I mean, it was like five yards of carry, and anybody was getting five yards of carry. First, you had to fix against these QBs, where every QB is getting a QB 100 rating against you. Well, they fixed that, right? They fixed the back end, and Quandre and Reek, and their coverage got a whole lot better, and Mike Jackson, and they, they started covering things up. But then it's like, well... Now can you can you stop the run and just not make every running back you face and every team you face have a season day, a career day, right? So that's going to be the – and today, man, is important. Today sets the tone for that. Today, the you don't get a dozen of these days. You don't. The new well, there, CBA. There were some good days for the, you know, some good moments. Yes. Yeah. So we saw Jaron Reed kind of break through and knock a pass down uh, after he came up the middle rushing. I mean, so that it's, you're right. It's been more in terms of what they can do pass rush wise. Mm-hmm. The question is, are they going to be able to hold the point of attack? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Bobby can still run. There's no doubt. You had to see him run step for step with DJ Dallas yesterday. No problem. I mean, he was right there with him in his hip pocket all the way. Pass ended up hitting Dallas right in the face mask because he couldn't see because Bobby was right there with him. There's no doubt Bobby can still run and he's still a leader and, and he's going to have to tackle. I mean, the, and the guys in front of him are going to have to give him enough space to be able to do that. I, I have huge question marks still, Brock, and and watching the guys up front. I, they're still just missing that mammoth human to take up some space, I would think, in the middle of that defense. And the 49ers last year I, is I a defense. Okay, the 49ers last year is a defense. They beat you three times. Right? They beat you three times. That's the gap you got to close. That's the team you got to come after. They've lost some pieces. Yep. They have QB questions. Right? They're, 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 they've lost some pieces on their front. Do you know what? how many yards per carry they gave up last year as a defense? They were number t- actually tied for carry? first in the league. Yards per carry against the run. Three they gave up 3.4. All right. Sorry. All right. Sorry, it was a rhetorical question. I was going to say 3.2. I was well, gonna, you I, were really, really close. Of course I was. 3.4. That's number one in the league with the Titans. Ravens, 3.9. Patriots, 4-1. Steelers, Jags, all playoff teams. Bengals, yep, Bengals 4.2. Your Seahawks gave up round up to five. I mean, bot right there with the Packers and the Texans, right, in the chart, like five yards of carry. That, you just you 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 are not going to close that gap. You're not going to win a division. You want to go look at the heyday in eleven and twelve and thirteen and fourteen and fifteen and go see what those Seahawks did in that rush defense. I guarantee you, it was a whole lot closer to the top ten of the league than it was the bottom five of the league. So, and and you know, today matters, man. Today matters. Clint Hurt going to be right now. Is there in their in their meetings? Is is Quandre had to run the special teams meeting and team meetings begin at nine? They break off into positional meetings. What do you think the message of Clint Hurt's going to be as D coordinator when the pads come on today? I mean, they better be out there hitting. That's for sure, and, and holding the point of attack and being aggressive when they need to. And if Dre Jones had a little anxiety about one on one pass rush drill. I know Derek Hall's confident dude, all right? I know Cam Young's I, I, confident I, dude. Number one thing I want to see is Derek Hall and pass rushing drills. Seriously, it's the number one thing I want to say. I just want to see what he's got. 
Mm-hmm. I am fascinated by him, and I really would like to see what that looks like. I just, uh, you know, if that's if that's what it'll look like on defense, I'll tell you one guy I am not concerned about at all with the pads coming on, and that's Jackson Smith and Jigba. And just every time you see him in every conceivable situation, he just mm-hmm. looks like he belongs. I saw this uh, posted a few minutes ago uh, from a guy who's like a fantasy football guy, Alex Caruso, who uh, said this picture keeps me up at night. And it's a picture of the Ohio State top three in receiving from a few years ago. Number three is Chris Olave, 65 receptions for 936 yards, 14.4 average. Garrett Wilson is second, 70 catches, 1,058 yards, 15.1 yards per catch. And ahead of on both of them, remember, 936, 1058. How about 1,606 yards, 95 receptions for a 16.9 yard per catch average? That's Jackson Smith and Jigbo. That's a big difference, man. And those two guys were arguably one and three maybe last year for offensive rookie of the year. And he may be better than both of them. And he's going to play in the inside with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Gino is not going to be able to say he doesn't have enough weapons to throw to. That's for darn sure. They are all over this offense. And you can see it when you're out of practice. All right. Great stuff. Great conversation. We'll give you some uh, insight tomorrow as to what the hitting looked like with the pads on today in practice. Coming up next, though, and really throughout most of this 9 o'clock hour, I want to talk baseball with the trade deadline looming tomorrow. Should the Mariners be listening to you? Should they be paying attention to what you want to do? That's one of the many questions I have for Brock next.